Alleluia, Christ is risen. <laughs> I thought it was the water glass for a second. Please be seated. I'm sorry. Our gospel reading for this morning is the story of Jesus's encounter with two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. It is one of my all-time favorite gospel stories. New Testament scholar and the former Bishop of Durham in the Church of England, N.T. Wright, says of this passage that it is one of the best sketches of a biblical scene in the Gospel of Luke. Well, another scholar, Jan Lembert, calls it Luke's most exquisite literary accomplishment. And I have to admit, I agree with them, because it's one of those stories where every time I read it, I feel like I'm right there on the road, that I am the unnamed disciple, and it never ceases to move me. In the text, we join two of Jesus' disciples who are walking down the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus on Easter afternoon. The evangelist tells us that the journey is about seven miles. That's a lot to walk in one day. After the events of the previous days, they're feeling discouraged and afraid. The crucifixion has dashed all their hopes. If I had to wager a bet, I would say that they were running, getting as far away from Jerusalem and Jesus as they could. As far as Cleopas and his friend knew, Jesus, were, were, Jesus was dead and gone, and had left them alone to fend for themselves against the oppressive Roman regime that had killed him. For all they knew, they were next. The pair was dismayed and was certainly not prepared to see Jesus alive. Yet they walked along, discussing all the things that had happened. And as they did, Jesus himself joined them on the road and traveled with them. But the one they encountered was not the Jesus they had known, it was not simply a resuscitated, zombified corpse, but the Christ of God, transformed by the resurrection and knowable only through divine revelation. And so they did not recognize him. Like he was to Mary in the garden earlier that morning, Jesus was unrecognizable to the two disciples. As they walked, Jesus discussed with them the things that were burning in their hearts. He listened to their hopes and dreams for a Messiah, their longing for the redemption of Israel, their disillusionment and despair over his arrest and crucifixion, and their confusion over the story told by the women at the tomb. Was it true? They didn't know. Or had somebody indeed come and carried off the body as the guards were saying? They even questioned whether all the hope and trust they had placed in him had been in vain. After all, these two who had been with him before his death describe him not as the Messiah, but simply as a prophet. They're lost. They don't know what to do. And after listening to them, Jesus, in a characteristically um, bold rebuke, tells them that they were slow to believe what the prophets had said about him. And then he interpreted for them all the things in scripture concerning him. He tells them that the things that had happened were not the mere byproduct of chance or coincidence, but part of God's eternal plan foretold long ago. And yet they still don't recognize him. They still don't know who they're talking to. 
Their journey continues. And as the day comes to a close and they approach Emmaus, the disciples ask Jesus to stay with them. And so he did. And as one does after a seven-mile walk on a hot Palestinian day, they sit down at dinner. And as they're at the table, Jesus takes the bread, breaks it, and gives it to them. And immediately, they recognize him. And then he disappears, almost as if he had never been there. And the two are so filled with joy and excitement that they immediately turn around and run the seven miles back to Jerusalem in the dark. And they tell the 11 that the Lord has risen and, that, and they explain what he interpreted to them and how the, he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The story of the disciples' encounter with Jesus on the road to Emmaus is a story of hiddenness and revelation, of knowing and unknowing, of despair and hope, of doubt and faith. When the risen Christ was walking beside them, they were unaware of his presence. They only came to recognize his presence in the breaking of the bread. Now the disciples, Cleopas and his unnamed friend, if they had been with Jesus long, probably ate a number of meals with him. And yet, this is not just any meal. Andrew McGowan, the dean of the Episcopal Seminary at Yale, said in a recent piece that there is a common misconception, found even in some authoritative biblical commentaries, that to break bread simply means to share a meal. Or rather, there is a common misconception about what it means when it says that. He says, in fact, there is no evidence that in classical Greek, breaking bread means this at all, nor was it a Hebrew idiom. The emphasis placed on, on the language of breaking bread, he says, belongs specifically to Luke, to his presentation of the tradition of Jesus, and to a distinctive way of speaking about Christian practice that emerged soon after the resurrection. For in Acts, the breaking of the bread is used in a clearly technical way when the life of the early community is described. And the, the community is centered on this act echoing the report of the two disciples coming concerning the risen Jesus. This phrase that he took bread, broke it, and gave it to them is the same phrase used at the Last Supper. In other words, we're not talking about an ordinary meal. We're talking about the Eucharist. Even though what we're talking about isn't a symbolic and meal like we have today, but a substantial one, it is the same. The imagery of breaking evokes not just the wholesome possibility of sharing, but the specific memory of Jesus who broke the bread. And each time we gather for the breaking of the bread, for the Eucharist, we follow the same pattern that Jesus followed with Cleopas and the unnamed disciple. We come together in community to celebrate the Eucharist, there has to be at least two people. We rehearse and break open the words of Holy Scripture, the sacred story that speaks to us from ages past about God's love and faithfulness, the story that finds its ultimate meaning and fulfillment in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. And then we share a meal, 
not just any meal, but the meal that Christ commanded us to share, in which he takes, breaks, and gives bread, not ordinary bread, but bread which is his body and blood. And it is in this meal that he allows us to know him. For after the resurrection, we cannot know Jesus by natural means, those of sight and touch and smell, because the resurrection transcends and undoes the norms of physical existence. Jesus is still Jesus, but he is transfigured by the light and power of God. It might be fair to say that after the resurrection, Jesus is more clearly who he always was, God. But God cannot be grasped by mere human intellect. God can only be seen through the eyes of faith. Even for those who knew him and loved him before his death, they can only see him for who he is if they have faith and believe. And so God gives us a means, a meal, a pattern, a tangible reality by which we can come to know him and by which our faith can be quickened and we can see Jesus. Like Cleopas and the unnamed disciple, each one of us is on a journey. We may not be walking to the literal Emmaus, but we are walking somewhere, and along the way, we will be faced with pain and grief, uncertainty and doubt, disillusionment and fear. Each one of us will have our own hopes and dreams, questions and concerns, and Jesus will meet us on our journey, just as he met Cleopas and his friend, because in the Eucharist, he has given us a sure and certain means of encountering him, if only we will follow the burning desire of our heart and come. In community, when we hear the word proclaimed and broken open, when we break the bread and share the cup, the risen Lord is there, just as he was with the disciples in the upper room and at the table in Emmaus. He is there as our guest, our host, and our food. So if you are feeling lost or discouraged, grieving or sorrowful, and you are looking for Jesus, you need come no farther than this holy table, this place where we enter in to the eternity of time, where time does not exist and space fades away, and where past and present are a future, past and future are a present reality, excuse me, and we are invited to know Jesus, who died and rose again for us. Here, in this place, he offers himself as our strength and our joy, and the bread of heaven and the cup of salvation that is his very body and blood. And he invites us into his risen life, that like the disciples, we may go and share with all the world the good news that he is risen, and that he makes himself known to us in the breaking of the bread. And if they desire it, others may come to know him too. Amen. <clears throat>